Dave. Right. I got it right. <laughs> so Dave was uh, dressing me up this morning with the tie mic <laughs> to make sure it's working properly. And it is. So thanks, Dave. Good morning, church. Um, have we all had a good week? It felt like uh, it's been a long time we've been away. Um, we did have a few weeks away, to be fair. Um, I and the girls went to, to Wales, and we had some good couple of weeks holidays. It was, it was really beautiful, that, um, and we, we also had the blessing of a good weather. So it's, it's good once in a while to have the opportunity to leave your house, um, not do much cooking, not do much tidying after the girls, um, just do nothing, you know, just wake up in the morning, not by five o'clock, but like nine o'clock. Um, it, was, it was good. That lasted for a week. And the first day back to work was the worst. Um, yeah, but, but that was it. It was good, and we are back. Girls back to school, everything back to normal. How, you know, if you've been away, I hope you enjoyed your holidays, you enjoyed your time of rest. It is important that we take out time to get rest. Um, we do realize that regardless of what God has called us to do, we need this body to do what God has called us to do. And there are many men, you know, people who in the course of um, doing what they love doing have neglected the body and, and, and they just don't stay long enough to finish what, you know, the vision they have or what they believe God has called them to do. It is good to take care of ourselves. I'd like us to share a word of prayer before we go into the message this morning. If Nikki can help me with my phone so that I can keep track of time. Thank you. Um, See, it's important that we, you, you talk to God about your expectations this morning. The scripture says this. It says that the expectations of our heart will not be cut off. This morning while we were praying, I was praying for that, that God will stir up an expectation in our hearts. I was praying that God will, will, will build up an anticipation for his word and for his power and, and for, his, for, for his move, for his spirit, for his presence into each and every one of us. I was praying that, that there is a, a, a hunger and a thirsting for God and for his presence and for things that, 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 that concern his vision and his burden for, for, for his people in our hearts. I was praying that the things that matter to God will matter to us, that, that we, can, we can learn to be a people that stay awake for the things that he stay awake for and, 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 and be confident to, to, be, to rest when, for the things that he will rest at for. There were two scriptures you know, that, that we often read in the Bible, what, two accounts. Uh, you know, in the first account, we had, we had Jesus and the disciples traveling in a boat. And, and, and there was a storm, a massive storm that was so terrible that these fishermen who were accustomed to the seas were really, really scared. But you see, in their, in their, in their trouble and in, their, in, their, in, in the state of, of, of fear that they were in, the Bible says that Jesus was asleep. 
And then we have the opposite of it, where in Gethsemane, Jesus was just couldn't, you know, he was in a, in a moment of agony. The whole burden of humanity, past and present and future, was resting on his shoulders. And he could see the agony and the passion that he had to endure. And the Bible said that the sweat that dropped from his body was like blood. But his disciples, in that moment, were asleep. And I began to pray and I said, Lord, would you teach us to stay awake for the things that cause you to be awake? That we might have the kind of heart that you have and our priorities begin to shift, to, to realign with what your priorities are. And this is when we begin to understand the, the, what it takes to build a kingdom for God. That his priorities become our priorities. This is when, as the scripture says, that when we ask for anything according to his will, he will do it. Because there is a marrying of our priorities with his. Lord, we just come this morning and we say, Lord, would you breathe upon your word? Your people here, they've not come. No one here has come to hear me. No one here has come to see me. They've come to hear you. They've come to see you. They've come for fellowship with you, with your spirit, with your presence. And Lord, may that truly be our experience this morning. Would you breathe upon every word that comes out here this morning? Would, uh, now is a moment, Lord, when I want to step aside so that you may take the stage and speak to, the, to your people the words that you've prepared for them for this season, even before the foundations of the world was laid. So, Lord, as you came into that room where the disciples were after resurrection, and you breathed upon them and said to them that morning, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Would you breathe upon this congregation this morning and empower them to be people that will hear and become doers of your word? I pray that everyone hearing these words this morning will look through the, that, it, that word of liberty and find reasons, Lord, why they will adapt to what you've said. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh. If you were here last week, um, can you just indicate, you know, if you're with your hands up? Great, great. So um, I wasn't, which is good, um, depending on how you look at it. But it is good in this sense that I have no idea what Nathan talked about. So if I preach the same message that Nathan preached last week, um, <laughs> If I, if I end up, you know, hearing the same message, just don't leave halfway to say, you know, say, I've heard that before, you know, and, and uh, no, no need staying till the end. Um, but I do trust God that God always brings something that is fresh, something that is interesting, exciting, something that will always challenge us. I bet that if you read the same, I've, I've read a particular scripture at some point, come back years after to read that same scripture, and there is a depth of truth that comes out again, that is fresh. The Bible says it's about God's word, that we do not live by bread alone, but by the progressive word of God, as a proceeding word of God. God's word is proceeding. It comes afresh again and again. So the, the, the next couple of weeks, um, we are looking at the honor, a series that um, talks about honor. Before I go into this, can I ask you a question? Um, this question goes to the women, you know, the ladies in the house. Um, someone asked a question, and I, I thought about it until they, I, I wasn't ever going to get the answer. But 
The question is this, how is the, a man like the weather? Mm. How is a man like the weather? Sorry? They change very often. Ah, okay. Okay. The answer I got, maybe those are right as well, but the answer I got is that nothing can be done to change either of them. Um, by, by September the 20th, you see, we, some of us do remember dates. Um, I, you know, it was a trap for Nathan when, when Heather said, I, I came in you know, a week before you got married. He had to remember in that moment when he got married. You know, or, or else it would have been a massive one. And you know, on, on the 20th of September, um, it's going to be 11 years, Nikki's been trying to change me. Um, I'll ask her at the end of today what success, you know, the level of success she's achieved. Um, there are times when, when we are so sure, you know, you're just so sure as a preacher or, or someone who teaches or speaks on God's word. There are these moments when you are just very, very certain that God has a word for his people. Today is one of those days. Um, my conviction about this is not just because I, you know, I wouldn't stand here to say to you that the conviction I have regarding this is because I have, I have waited upon the Lord for, for so long or because I have fasted and I have prayed and, and, and that, you know, it's not on any of these things, though those are, those are true. I've waited for this moment. I've prayed for this moment. I've sought God's face for this moment. And that, however, is not the basis of this conviction. You see, the basis of this conviction is on what can be the surest you know, um, ground that we can stand on, which is God's word. Isaiah 43, 18 to 22 says this. It says, do not remember the prior things. I'm reading from the Common English Translation. It says, do not remember the prior things or the former things. Don't ponder ancient history. It says, look, I am doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? Do you not recognize that I am doing a new thing in your life and in the life of your church? I am making a way in the desert. I am making paths in the wilderness. The beasts of the field, the jackals and the ostriches, they will honor me. Because I have put water in the desert and streams in the wilderness to give water to my people, my chosen ones. This people whom I have formed for myself, who will recount my praise? You see, God is doing a new thing in the life of the church and for us as individuals. God delights in your praise, but not just that you will offer him empty praise. God wants you to praise with a reason. God wants you to pray, raise a thanksgiving with a reason and to worship him from a place of awe and gratitude. The reason why God is doing a new thing in our lives is that it's not sufficient that we just praise because someone here leading the service says praise. It becomes a profound thing that you begin to praise God out of a place of experience, out of a place of reason, out of a place that I can lay hand on what God has done and I praise him for it. I often ask questions that, that you can, you know, you believe to be, you know, you, you should know the reason. And I tend not to assume a lot of things. Um, 
my, one of my daughters comes in, for instance, and says to me, um, I want a lolly. And I, I say, why? You know, it is not because I'm not going to give the lolly. I want, I, want them to, I, want, I want a thought process to go into what we do to the extent that we know why we're doing what we're doing. We try in raising them to, 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 to give them the why behind the instructions that we ask them to do so that they understand it's not just a thing of do not do this or do that, but there is a why behind these things. And when they understand the why behind them, they are able to, when you are not there, have an understanding of what they are doing, why they are doing it, and be able to defend what they do, what they believe, what their convictions are. And so God wants to give you a why for the re, you know, behind your praise and your worship. Exodus 8 verse 3 says this, I will make a clear distinction between my people and those who are not my people. He said it's going to be a miraculous sign and it shall take place tomorrow. That is Exodus chapter 8 verse 3 saying this, God was saying I'm going to make a distinction between the Egyptians who are not my people and those who are my people. God says that this distinction is going to come in a miraculous way. It's going to be in the realm of the supernatural. You see the distinction God wants to bring in his church these days isn't just about the way we spend Sunday morning. It is also about the way we live from Monday to Saturday, in the way we face the same challenges that everyone around us faces, in the outcomes that we have in life, God wants to bring a distinction. Notice that this distinction shall be with the miraculous. God wants to make you live your life actually in the supernatural. Praise God. So here's the question. How many of us here this morning truly want to see the miraculous in the church? How many of us here have a desperate need um, to see the miraculous in our families? You want to see God move in your families in, a, in, you know, in ways that are truly miraculous. How many of us here this morning? I am struggling with my notes. Right. How many of us want to see the unsaved come to the acceptance, you know, come to the knowledge and of, our, of a savior? Maybe in our families, maybe in the places where we work. How many of us want to see the addicted and the afflicted saved? set free and transformed as they experience God. How many people want to see that happen in this place? How many of us want to see the manifest presence of God in our meetings in this church? Men and women broken in the spirit as they encounter the love and the mercy of God. Young people serving God with their youthfulness and bringing godly fun to church. How many people want to see that in this church? Praise God. How many of us truly want to see the grace of God and the favor of God bring us to a place that our own effort alone, like Nathan said, can't just get us to? How many of us would like to have a fresh and living encounter with the Lord to the extent that the evidence of God with us far outweighs every contrary evidence or argument? You want to see God with us in such a way that it doesn't matter what people are saying. It doesn't matter what society is try, trying to say. You know that within my own experience, I can't be convinced otherwise. 
I live every day in full conviction that God is true regardless of what anyone else says. Because within my life, I have the proof of a living God who has done what you know, is beyond any other explanation. There is the witness that our lives can produce. How many of us want to be a living witness of the power of God demonstrated in our lives? I do. I want to see, I want to see all of this. I want to see God as Isaiah did. I want, to see, I want to experience God and to have the experience of him that is personal just between himself and myself. I want to have this experience. And I believe that most of us in this room this morning, we too want to you know, have a, a piece of this experience that I am talking about. Paul put it this way. He said, I want to forget the things behind. I want to press on to the high mark of my calling in Christ Jesus. I ask you this morning, what is your hope? What is it that you are looking forward to? It is great to see so many people here this morning who want to see the power of God. But we are talking on honor. So where's the connection? Matthew 13. I'm going to apologize for, for the, the slides. Um, it's not clear. And um, the reason is, you know, when I was producing it, it was clear for me until I got here. And, and it's not clear because of the resolution with the projector. I apologize for that. Um, if you would like the slides, um, after the service, if you can give me your email address, I can send you the slides, I can send you the notes as well if you, if you like to have them. Um, Matthew chapter 13. How does all this connect? How does the power of God and, and the move of God and the experience of God, how does all this connect to the value of honor that we are speaking about? Matthew 13 verse 54 to 58 says this. He's talking about Jesus. He says, when he came to his hometown, he thought the people in the synagogue. They were surprised and they said, where did he get this wisdom? Where did he get the power to work miracles? Isn't he the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother named Mary? Aren't James, Joseph, and Simon, and Judas, his brothers, and his sisters, aren't they with us? Where did this man get all this? They were repulsed by him. You know, but Jesus said to them, the prof a prophets are honored everywhere except in their own hometowns and in their own household. Verse 58 says this, And he was unable to do many miracles there because of their unbelief. You see, prior to this, Jesus has been going around doing miracles, doing great stuff, doing healing the sick, raising the dead, making blind eyes open. And he got to a point where he said, I could do with a bit of this in my hometown. It's time I went to my own people and, and did these things with, to them. It's time I reached out to my own, the people that I grew up with, the people that saw me growing up, the people that helped to raise me, the people that I lived with most of my life. He learned his trade there. He grew up there. And he was going there, I believe, with expectation to, to heal the sick, to, raise, you know, to, to, to help them out of their infirmities and their afflictions. And he began to speak to them the word of God, which obviously most times will precede the work of God. The, you know, most, most of the time we hear and faith is stirred within us, then the works will follow. Jesus said, he said, if you do not believe me for the words that I speak, 
then you believe me for the works that I do. Oftentimes they both come hand in hand. And Jesus gave them the word. But rather than respond to the word, they said they, they, they dishonored him. And just for the reason of that dishonor, Jesus was unable to do many mighty works. Here's a point if you're writing this. Honor is a key to the supernatural. We want to see, we, we identified here this morning that we want to see the supernatural in our lives and in the church. Hear this. Honor is a key to the supernatural. Is it possible at all that, that you know, I, I, I often say this, that there are various keys that unlock the supernatural or the miraculous in our lives. Forgiveness is one of them. In November, in our Bible studies, we'll be looking at forgiveness and, and how we can apply forgiveness in our lives. But forgiveness is key to unlocking God's power in our lives. Sacrifice is one. Faith is another. But honor is also another. It is a key that enables us to unlock the supernatural in our lives. The Bible says that Jesus was unable to do many mighty works. It wasn't that he would not. It wasn't that he did not want to. It was that he was unable. Is it possible that our, our dishonor, our not being in a position or adopting an attitude of honor could actually tie God's hands from helping us, from reaching out to us? Is it at all possible that we have been blocking out the power of God and the move of God in our lives because we've not adopted an attitude of honor to God, to his ministers, and to one another. When we dishonor God or God's servant, we lock ourselves out of God's plan for our lives, and we deprive ourselves of God's best. Paul, writing to the Romans, said this, every authority is ordained by God. You, you, know, you may not agree with them, but you honor them. Your attitude of honor reflects and says more about you than it says about them. It is about your value. It is about your conviction. It is about your understanding that I, it is my duty to honor. And God respects and expects that from us. The Bible says that we honor our parents. They might not be the best parents in your own experience. They might not be the best parents in the world. But the Bible says honor your parents. It is one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your parents. You want to live long on earth, honor your parents. Honor your bosses. Even when they may be hard to please or seem not to like you, honor them all the same. Honor your political leaders. Yeah. Romans says, what, what does Romans say? He says, every authority is ordained by God. Honor them in your speech. Honor them in your attitude. Honor your political leaders. You see, it is possible that you don't agree with, with the policies. It is possible you don't agree with everything they do. A man of God puts it this way. He says, you can eat the meat and spit out the bones, but you honor them. Honor your spiritual leaders, for you cannot honor God and dishonor those that represent him. And I like to say this, honor one another, because it is an expression of Christ-likeness. Praise God. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 1 to 10, um, 
The Bible tells the story of Moses when Moses decided to marry a woman and it turned out she was an Ethiopian woman. And so Moses married this woman who was an Ethiopian woman and, and Moses had two siblings, Miriam and Aaron, and they seemed not to be very happy with Moses' choice of whom to marry. And so they were offended by Moses' choice of who he got married to. And, 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 and the Bible didn't say the reason why, why they were offended, but um, they were offended all the same, and, and, when, and they began to talk about it. They began to, to, to talk to each other. They began to gossip about Moses and the choices that they believe he had made wrong. Verse 2 ends this way. Verse 2 says, and the Lord heard it. This morning, permit me to introduce you to the Lord who actually hears. God hears. You see, when you sigh in, res- in resignation at the thought of a wayward, in a wayward child or at the stark reality of, of a loveless marriage or a relationship that, that is going towards the rock, God hears that sigh. When the sound of a letter drops through the letterbox and, 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 and you're, you're gripped with fear because you think it's, it's one of those letters from the debt collection agencies or, or, or another debt coming through the, po- the post and and, and, and you cry out because you, you believe you're doing all you can do, but you're just not getting to, to be able to pay off this debt. God hears you. You are threatened by your creditors. God is hearing you. When you've been told that you can't amount to much, I know people who have been told in their lives that you look at you, you cannot amount to anything in life. God is hearing them. When you've been told by the doctors that the prognosis is not good, they've told you that it's, it's, there isn't any much that they can do for you, God hears, my friends. There seems to be a gang up against you at work, perhaps, and, and, and they're trying to bring you down. Listen, God is hearing them. And you see, there's something about when God hears. Um, recently, I read a, a very emotional Facebook post by a mom here in church. Um, this mom was eight months pregnant at the time, and, and she took her 13-month-old baby to, to, the, to the A&E in hospital. They, were, they waited there for hours and hours. There were x-rays done. Um, the child was dehydrating. The eyes were rolling back, and, and the veins were collapsing. They just couldn't find a vein. A 13-month-old baby was dying, and the mother's only cry for help was, please save my baby, and God heard. Today, that child is about 11 going to 12 today, and, and God is still on the throne. God hears, my friends. I want to introduce you to this God who hears you all the time when you cry. He also hears when there are rumors against you. He hears anything that is against you. And the thing about when God hears is that he doesn't keep quiet for too long. So when God heard Miriam and Aaron talking about uh, Moses, God called them. And God, God heard them speak against Moses in dishonor. So God calls them. The Bible says there that God was so angry with Miriam and with Aaron that he re, his rebuke was so strong that Miriam was left with leprosy. Her skin went leprous in that instant. You see, leprosy is a disease that attacks and destroys both the skin and the nerves. And it leaves the, the victim in such a way that if, on, if he's untreated, they, they, they begin to gradually lose the, the, the sense of sight and they lose the sense to feel. So their nervous systems begin to break down because the disease gradually eats it away. With time, they are unable to feel things. They are unable to see 
because the disease begins to eat away at these vital senses. Here, this is the next point I want to say. Dishonor is like leprosy. Dishonor is like leprosy. We do not operate, you see, when we do not operate in the spirit of honor, God's presence leaves us. First of all, if we read that, that book, you know, that, that story in Numbers chapter 12, we realize that as soon as God was done rebuking Miriam, the Bible says, and God left, God left in anger. The moment God's presence left Miriam, leprosy came in. Dishonor is like leprosy. Leprosy, again, is infectious. So when someone is afflicted with leprosy, they say the person has to stay outside the camp. People avoid them. They are kind of quarantined. Dishonor can be infectious in the church. When we begin to become a people who dishonor leadership, who dishonor one another, it is a matter of time it begins to spread. On the converse side of it, when we become a people who have a culture of honor, we, 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 we honor one another, we delight in honoring authority, it also spreads. That culture becomes one thing that another acquires and the other acquires and we begin to cut the culture of honoring one another. Because when I honor Nathan, he reciprocates the honor to me. When I honor um, um, uh, uh, Ruth, for instance, she does the same. Honor becomes mutual when we build it as a culture. But this honor is like leprosy. It is infectious. It causes us to lose spiritual sensitivity. And that is why, you, you know, when someone becomes, you know, it causes us to become spiritually insensitive and unperceptive, undiscerning to the move and to the power of God. All of a sudden, we are in church. We hear the word of God preached, but it doesn't move us anymore because we have become spiritually leprous with dishonor. All of a sudden, praise and worship is going on, and God's presence is mighty and heavy in the house, but you're not connected. You can't feel it. You can't, you can't just tap into it. You can't, you can't be a part of it. You're, you're like isolated from the presence of God, even though you are within the environment. Is it possible that you need to begin to look at the honor that you give to those that you owe honor to? I'll be rounding off shortly. Um, but I'm going to share one more story from Scripture with us this morning before I do. You see, in, um, in Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, God got, you know, we know the story of the flood where God called Noah and, and he stayed in the, in the, in the ark for, for, for months and months and eventually after the rain, the dry land appears and Noah and his family with the animals come out from, from the ark. And at that moment, Noah being the, 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 the first man at that point, God transfers the, the, the blessing that he gave to Adam in Genesis to Noah. God principally said to Noah, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and have dominion over all the earth. If we remember Genesis 2, this was the same um, um, blessing that God gave to Adam. He said to Adam, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, have dominion, and so on and so forth. This same blessing was passed on to Noah. So at this point, Noah became the carrier of the eternal blessings of mankind. And while he was carrying this blessing, the Bible says that Noah decided to try out his hand as a farmer. So he planted a vineyard. 
And the first harvest he made of the vineyard, he got drunk on it. He got so drunk that he passed out naked. You know, just naked, he passed out naked. And the Bible says that Noah had three sons. The first one was Japheth, the second was Ham, and the third was Shem. So the second son, Ham, was passing by and he saw his father in this very undignified place. And he thought it was something to have a laugh about. He thought it was something to talk about. It is more like some things that we do sometimes, isn't it? Go to the next person in church. Do not say I told you this. You actually didn't hear from this from me. He cheats on her. And we talk about it for a while. And we go. And some other person goes to the next person and says, Wow, her children, those are minions. Terrible things. And we talk about it for a while in church. You see, what Ham did was that he thought that their, his father's uncompromised, um, his father's compromised position, he thought that his father's undignified position was something for the brethren to discuss. He thought it was something that they could have a laugh about. And so he went to his brothers and he said to his brothers, have you seen the old man, how he's passed? There's no end to his disgrace. And when the gist got to his brothers, Japheth and Shem, the other two sons of Noah, the Bible says that they took up a blanket and they walked backwards towards the tent where Noah was. And they got to the tent and they covered their father's nakedness. They honored him. You see, how we respond to a brother or a sister or even a pastor that falls shows whether we honor God not just the man, but the office that he occupies. You see, when I talk about honor, it is not just about the person. It is about the authority the person wields. And that is what God is interested in sometimes, not just the person. You see, for in this case, we have, um, we have Noah. He, he, he messed up as a man, but who doesn't once in a while? Who doesn't from time to time? Jesus said to the crowd, a crowd, it was a multitude, it wasn't one person, it was a mixed crowd. They could have had good people and bad people in that crowd, but he said to them, they had religious people and people who had no religion. He said to them, he who has no sin, let him cast the first stone. And when they began to search their conscience, they knew there was none without sin. How do we react when the people around us make mistakes? Do we still stick to honoring them or do we throw them under the bus? Eventually, Noah finds out what his sons um, have been up to while he was, you know, having his happy hour. So he blesses Japheth and he blesses Shem. But as for Ham, it is interesting that Noah did not actually curse him. Uh, you know, before, before I did this particular study, I had always thought that Noah cursed Ham, but he didn't. You know what he did? Let's read it. Do I have it here? No. So if we read that scripture in, 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 in verse um, 
Genesis chapter 9. Sorry, I didn't call it up. I'll tell you what the scripture says. Genesis chapter 9. It says this. Rather than curse Ham, he actually cursed Canaan. So who is Canaan? Anybody knows who Canaan was? The grandchild of Ham. So he cursed his descendant, the descendants of Ham, rather than curse Ham. This brings us to this point. Honor secures your legacy. You want to leave a legacy behind. There is a, a culture of honor that builds a DNA into your seeds after you. It becomes something that they grow up with. It becomes something that becomes a value for them. It becomes a part of who they are because they saw their father honor. They saw their father or their, or their mother or, or those that they looked up to. In church here, there are people that look up to others. And as they see you, you know, never think that you are not of a person of influence. Every single one of us has an area of influence that you wield. There is a circle of people that you wield influence over. And whether you like it or not, whether you are aware of it or not, they are looking up to you. They are observing you. They are doing the things that you are doing. They are becoming more of the person you are. And for these ones, they will learn to honor because you honor. 1 Peter 4 verse 8 says this, Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sin. Did you know that the descendants of Ham became the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah? Do you know that? The descendants of Ham, the cities that, that were eventually destroyed by God, these were the children of Ham. Did you know that the descendants of Ham were the Jebusites and the Canaanites that were evicted from their land for Israel, who were the descendants of Shem? Did you know that as well? This was because this man, you know, looked at the person who was the, the carrier of the blessings of eternity, of mankind, and he thought it was good to dishonor him, and, the father, and, 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 and he had the curse on him. You see, honor or dishonor is demonstrated in what we say and in what we do. We can, we, honor is, is, is seen, it's shown. So you can say things that are honorable and you can say things that are dishonorable. You can do things that are honorable, you can do things that are dishonorable. In choosing to receive and walk in the culture of honor, we introduce honor into the DNA we transfer to our children and those after us and to our children's children and to our spiritual heritage. I say this that if it's, it's up to every parent. You know, if we are, when we are raising children, it's necessary that we teach them to honor because it becomes something that they grow up with. If you allow your children to dishonor you at home, they will, they will grow with that attitude. They'll go into the workplace and they'll think that they can dishonor their bosses as well. And very soon they get the P45. And we end up with a generation that cannot keep up um, that I cannot keep down a job, you know, because they have not learned to honor. Honor is important. Even in society, honor is important. And it's good that we teach this. I end up with this, you know, um, by choosing to be a people that honor God, that honor spiritual leadership, that honor secular authority, that honor one another. When we make this choice, we keep the channels open for the flow of the supernatural in our lives. 
Don't, you can be under the most anointed man of God, but if you're not a person that honors that anointing, it will have no effect in your life. You can pray for the breakthrough, but it won't come. You can fast for it, but it won't come. You can wait for it, but it may not come. Honor is important because honor places a value on what you are looking for. We remain sensitive and perceptive to the move of God when we choose to be a people that walk in honor, that honor one another. We establish a legacy of blessing and honor that our children after us will enjoy. And finally, we become a church where the presence of God is tangible and the miraculous is not inhibited when we walk in honor. This morning, what, what I would like us to do is to respond to this message of honor. You see, it is important that we understand that, first of all, it is about honoring God. We honor God in our worship. We honor God in our praise. And the, the music ministers will be coming up shortly. And I'd like us to, to honor God this morning, or this afternoon, in worship. Remember, he's a God who hears. He doesn't just hear the sigh of the lonely or of the afflicted. He hears the praise of his people. You want the heart of God. You can honor him and draw his heart when you praise, when you worship. Can we be a people of honor, church? Can we be a people who want to see the move of God because we value the move of God and we place this value in our honor of one another and of God? Can I invite the music ministers, please, to come up. One thing I'd like you to do is to find a way to respond to this message of honor and the series that will happen in the, you know, the next two weeks as well. It's continuous. Next week we're, we're talking about honor and the week after we're talking about honor again, honoring one another. Now, before the end of this season, that you make a commitment on what practical, like I said, honor is seen in what you do and in what you say. It could be walking up to someone in church and showing an act of honor to them. It could be shown in how you prefer one person to, you know, above yourself, you know, preference of, of others to what, before you. Can we make a commitment as a church to be a people that want to see God move. Never backbite against one another or gossip about anyone in church or one of your own. Lord, we just want to thank you for this time in your presence. See, for me, the first step I took in honoring God was to recognize what he did for me on Calvary and on the cross. There was this gift that I couldn't get for myself, but God gave to me freely the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, the gift of a hope. And when all this is done, I have the confidence that I will be with God. And the moment I stepped up to accept that, it was the first thing I did to honor God because I was placing a value on that gift to me. Perhaps someone is here this morning and you want to honor the gift of salvation given to you freely by the Lord. 
You want to give your life to God in honor for what he has done. You want to honor God this morning by saying, Lord, I want to give you my life. I want to live for you. I want to bring a sacrifice of myself. I want to give myself entirely to you. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live, I want to find my purpose in service to you. If that's you this morning, you want to live for God. I'd like you to make up your mind to make this prayer with me this morning. The second set of people that I, I would like you to make and uh, you know to honor God with is you've made this decision before to honor God by giving your life and, and, and to Him, but somehow in the course of life happening, you just feel like I've not lived up to my ex you know, God's expectation to me. I've fallen behind, I've left the life that I pledged to live for God. But this moment, I want to honor God by rededicating this life to Him again. If that's you this morning, can we make this prayer together? Can we start that journey again? I've been there. Many of us in this room have been there. We made that, 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 that decision to follow Jesus, but somehow we didn't get through with it. But we got to that point where we made another decision. Lord, I want to rededicate my life to you. And if that's you here this morning, I'd like you to be bold about it. Honor is in what we do as it is in what we say. My hands are lifted. Can yours be lifted if that's you in this room this morning? Praise Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we thank you. If that's you, thank you if your hand is up right now. If you're still struggling within yourself, you can honor God. God said this. He says, I will honor those who honor me. Do you want to see the honor of God? Do you want to see God identify you as my preferred one? For honor prefers, honor elevates, honor separates for good. If God honors you, men will honor you. If God honors you, you are set apart for him. If you want to make that decision to honor God with your life in rededication to him or to give your life to him for the first time, for the last time, can your hands go up again? Amen. If that's you this morning that lifted up your hand, can you just repeat this after me? Lord, I thank you for you chose me. When with heedless steps I ran, your hands unseen conveyed me safe and brought me to this moment. I thank you because behind the scenes, you've always been working. You've always been behind me and with me. You've always been for me. I want to honor you this morning. I want to place value on what you've done for me. I want to rededicate my life to you. Lord, accept me as a living sacrifice. Let every moment of my life going forward be pleasing to you. Let my every day be as a sweet smelling incense 
that rises to you. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. 